set boundaries for yourself. I think in business, you're so hungry for like the next customer or the next buy-in. Set boundaries. For me, one of my boundaries is that Yo, Philly, listen up to all our small business owners. Not just our small business owners, also our entrepreneurs, our creators, our dreamers, our doers. This is Small Business Saturday. Every week we're dropping knowledge about small businesses. Dang, man, you know what? Just listen to the podcast. Man, we try to do a cool intro. But however we promise the podcast, we will be dropping gems. We will be dropping knowledge. We will be dropping tools. You need to succeed in your small business. All right, so every week, every Saturday, stay tuned for Small Business Saturday. All right, so today we have Malika Diggs. She is an unconventional education advocate and diversity and inclusion trainer with a focus on black and brown communities. She is the founder of Eclectic Learning Network, and her work is centered on building relationships that empower, inspire, and create actions that impact families in a positive long-term way. So, Malika, it is a pleasure to have you. Oh, definitely. The pleasure is mine. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. So, tell me a little bit about, I know you're digging into it earlier, Mm -hmm. um, but tell me from your perspective, you know, what it was like, you know, not only being a mother, but starting a company that is truly empowering in this area. It, It was, I've done many things, but this is probably one of the first things that actually called me. And I've always been on the pursuit of trying to find the next thing, or I'm such a butterfly, so I love to experience and really be in it. But this was something that I was not expecting at all. If someone would have asked me, oh, Malika, you know you're going to run a business about, basically you're going to connect life and race and diversity and inclusion into one thing and it's going to be your business, I probably would have laughed in their face. Um, For me, this was something that actually happened due to a not so good moment. And what was that? And that was, I had initially not intended on homeschooling my children. So my children are home home educated for most, for the standard terminology, but for our home, they are unschooled. And we can talk about the difference. Yeah, what does that mean? What's what's unschooled? Um, I need schooled on being unschooled. Yes, (laughs) but um, kind of the beginning of that was I'm a product of the Philadelphia public school system, and I figure, oh, I guess I didn't turn out too bad. You know, why not send my children there? Yeah. And I think like a lot, like most parents, you tend to move into neighborhoods where the quality of school is going to be top, as top as you can get. Right, like people moving outside of the city to or go. Or just locations within the city. Okay, so that you for can, example. So like, sir, maybe... Greenfield Elementary School or Central High School, like these are two elementary and high schools. Better that are, known? Yes. Okay. So a lot of people are always focused on, um, a lot of families, if they're looking for a certain type of school, those are two names that would pop up often. For me, where I moved, which was not there, um, I chose a place where I figure we'd be right in the catchment, I wouldn't have to worry about a wait list, we yeah. could just roll right in. Um, I went and did that. Like a middle tier. Yes. But close and convenient kind of? Yes. Okay. Yeah. So the the neighborhood itself is a predominantly white and very affluent neighborhood. Can I ask you where? Um, It is... Like generalized? Northwest Philadelphia. Okay. Because I was going to ask too. um, I'm like really curious on the the education system locally. Yeah. So I I do want to be careful of balancing like saying any names, but just curious as to, and feel free to answer freely on this, Mm -hmm. um, you know, what it's like growing up in the local education system and you know mm-hmm. tell me I guess tell the people listening too mm-hmm. where you're from and mm-hmm. what it was like growing up here yeah yeah um, okay so I can pick up uh, the incident so to speak <laughs> okay. um, so I I went online I had all my paperwork so that I could enroll my oldest daughter into the first grade mm-hmm. and I went up to the school and I was questioned because the principal of this school did not believe that I lived in the area at all. I had six pieces of identification that stated who I am. There was nothing different about anything that I gave, but she refused to believe that I lived in this particular neighborhood, and she asked me if I used coupons to pay my rent. What? Um, 
amongst some other things. It's like, that's why we can't say the school name. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) And that was the first time that my daughter saw just how colorful I can be. Because it was a moment where basically my eclectic learning network bridged in determining whether I would let something like that fly. Yeah. Should I say something or should I not? So I'm sorry to interrupt you. Yeah. Um, For people listening, was it, you know, for racial profiling because of the color of your skin? Is that what you're alluding to? Yes. Most definitely. Okay. Um, There was, there was no other reason. And that's something that I don't like to necessarily lead with at all. But there was nothing else that was going on that would suggest anything otherwise. Okay. And the school itself, the the demographic of the school is not the demographic of the actual residents of that neighborhood. Oh. So there's there's a whole bunch of extra politics, let's say, that surround that that I was not interested in being a part of. The wrong type of exclusivity. Yes. <laughs> yes. And you know, for me, I walked away from that experience thinking, well, if this is the leader of this particular school for these young people, what type of image is being created from that? If that is a type of bias that I'm experiencing from the very beginning, at this point, my children didn't even have an opportunity to even get a seat in the room, yeah. let alone have any other bigger conversation. Um, I took it up as far as to the school board and I was basically told that she was having a rare morning and she should be forgiven. Um, They really, you know, it was kind of like a swept under the rug kind of deal. And, you know, I had to sit with that and decide, so am I going to be okay with this? Am I, am I going to be okay with this? You know, join the PTA and try and dismantle from the inside out. Oh, yeah. And really question it. Or am I going to go off on my own? And I decided to go off on my own. Um, my particular experience with public school wasn't bad, but it wasn't great. Okay. So, you know, I really looked at that. So it allowed me to kind of examine what learning really is and what education is. Mm -hmm. And over time, and this is truly over time, in the very beginning, it was virtual school, it was comfortable, it was free, and there's still some fear connected to that. But the more I got to know my children, it actually opened the door for me to get to know myself. What do you mean by that? So just typically the word child is a word that doesn't equate to human. And I say that because sometimes you'll hear statements like, oh, you're just a child. Oh, you're not ready to do that because you're a child. And then all of a sudden, at some point in your life, typically when you turn like 17, 18, you become an adult. So the rules are different. Yeah. Everything changes where I started to question, why aren't we allowing our young people to explore who they are? And are the parameters that I'm giving the parameters of my own comfort and conditioning, or is it something that's totally unsafe? Yeah. So something really small and trivial was like no candy. You don't want your young people to have candy. Kids aren't supposed to have candy to rot your teeth. You who know? says that? You know, I, like, I don't like people who said that. Yeah, you know, like there's so many like little stigmas around all of that. Unless it's you know unless it's Halloween, then apparently it's it's always now okay. it's okay. But those are those instances, and I would have that with my daughters and I would say well no I wouldn't want them to have these candy and this that and the third but come bedtime I got my candy right and I got caught one day <laughs> and they're looking at me and they're like so you can have candy but I can't the hypocrisy of that so much because and, they're a child right so and it's more of like you're an object to possess outside of them just being whole humans right just experiencing life and meeting them where they are versus me just kind of putting on them all of my experiences and my perception of those experiences and expecting them to just fall in line with that that can be said for for like everyone yes (laughs) we we grow up conditioned to how we were meant to be conditioned from the person above us yes Yes. So my, 
my whole experience and very much with the at the center or the core of what ELN is is a complete shedding. It's all about shedding. Um, because it's not just for young people, it's for families. It's for anyone really who is navigating through life and finds themselves questioning something, but they don't necessarily know what they're questioning. Yeah. They're not necessarily fully understanding of their movements. It feels very automatic. And you're t it's typically followed by, well, so-and-so did it that way, so I'm gonna do it that way too. Yeah. Or I'm accustomed to learning this way or to navigating business this way. So for me, it really calls you to go deep and start to examine those. And not necessarily like a how-to, one, two, three kind of deal, but really just taking more time to observe your, your position in spaces that you're in yeah. and being really intentional about what you're stating and where those thoughts are coming from. That's so interesting. Where, where did you come to to get these thoughts yourself if you yourself were conditioned? So I typically take a moment and I think for me the, the real big simple question is if I'm saying no, then I ask myself, why not? Right. And if I don't have a justifiable answer, it's something for me to examine more deeply. If I'm being encountered with something and I automatically feel uncertain I have to examine that I have to understand where the uncertainty is coming from is it just because I've never been exposed to it right so that I automatically have up a wall mm -hmm. or is there something else and it doesn't mean that everything is gonna have some crazy deep-rooted answer but certain things are very much rooted in your childhood and things happen and you don't realize that, oh my gosh, that one moment right there stayed with me subconsciously. Yeah. And now I've went ahead and passed it on to my children or to your partners or your coworkers, like whatever that is, you build it on your own. Was there specifically a certain time in your life other, like did, did that experience with the school mm -hmm. get you thinking that way or were you already... Oh, yeah. Aware. I was definitely... I don't want to say woke, but... Yeah. I, <laughs> yeah. um, I, was, I was already in a place of being aware of my movements and just questioning everything. At the, actually, at the moment when I realized, well, when I believed that I was pregnant, because that wasn't something I actually believed. <laughs> that's a different story. Um, yes, that's a whole different <laughs> Um But yes, at the moment when I realized that I was going to be responsible for another life in this world... I really started to just kind of examine. I went down memory lane and looked at certain things of, oh man, that really sucked. Or I probably wouldn't have done it that way if I was a mom. And I think every parent does that to some degree, or even just with a new job. You know, you start to go down the lane of previous jobs and, you know, kind of examine your hiccups and ex examine your successes and figure out how you would make it different. But they're human. So you could, you could plan all day, but if you're not taking them into consideration, then you've kind of laid out a roadmap for them already Yeah. for them to follow. So I'm really focused on removing these ideas of indoctrination. And I want them, if, if I can want anything for them, is for them to be whole and authentic to who they are Yeah. versus what I am suggesting they be. My head's spinning right now because now I'm wondering, like now I'm questioning everything. <laughs> because how do you know oneself if you were like, because you're raised from the second, you're raised before you're even born, you know? Mm -hmm. So how do you know who you really are and like what well, your purpose is? I think that that changes over time. I don't, I don't think that there's one specific answer that will be applicable throughout life. I think it you meet the need of whatever your journey is calling for in that moment and not necessarily, oh, here's my five-year plan of what things are going to be. You know, I think that's that's hogwash. Mm -hmm. You know, if I'm, it's, it's a very corporate 
idea that we have these fixed mindsets that oh this is who I am like no these are, I think we live in a state of perpetual moments mm-hmm. so if we're if we're doing that that means we have to allow ourselves to fall and get up again and constantly be on a state of evolution so with that being said with ELN mm-hmm. how did you fuse that into the business and t- I guess first talk to us a little bit about starting the business and the whole premise of the business. Sure. Well, initially, uh, when I went through my little incident, (laughs) I hadn't thought about starting a business at all. I was really just focused on my daughters and how I could be the catalyst for them as a foundation to whatever learning they wanted to encounter. And over the years, I started to come across more parents who... If I could sum it up now, it would be parents who experience othering in conventional spaces, be it for the color of their skin, be it for their family dynamic and how it's organized, for whatever whatever reason it is. And people really just wanted something other than what they were being presented. And that's me to a T. (laughs) I mean, I'm always in search of other. Is that because like everything is so structured or has been structured for the way we should go about, you know, living and growing up in the education system? I think that there is a crap ton of colonization that really has impacted to the point that we're just getting to know who we are. And whether you're a black or a brown person, or whether you're a person who lives in an underserved community, who just their needs are not being met at all. Compulsory education. In What's my, that? Compulsory education, so we're looking at your standard K to 12. Okay. You matriculate into every grade, and you move forward, and there are these benchmarks and test assessments that kind of define who you are as you go and what your aptitude is. Right. What is that about? So for me, I am anti-compulsory education. Yeah. And I'm saying that I'm allowing young people to explore on their terms. And I don't necessarily think that you have to go with everything in this linear fashion because, I mean, look at businesses. I mean, we are at the highest rate of innovation that we've ever really been. Yeah. It's not about taking those standard steps. There are apps that do that for you. You know, like there are so many things of being able to feel empowered and create change without going through those standard steps. Yeah. And then you do all of that. So you have your K to 12, then you have your post-secondary, and then if you go on to graduate school, and then whatever, and then you get out and you're not really thrilled with what's at the end of the line there. There may be a job. There may not be a job. There may be pay, so you can pay back your loans. There may not be. And when it comes to education, there is no way to forecast what that's going to look like. Schools, post-secondary schools, certain elementary schools and high schools are all changing rapidly because you have so many young people who have so many needs. Right. So is there really a way to address all those needs for one individual person, a teacher, to look at a classroom full of 40 students and try and affect change. Some kids are not going to fare well in that space. People will get left behind. Yeah, easily. Who who, uh, coined the No Child Left Behind? Was that Bush? Was that in the Bush era? I feel like it was. Was it Bush or Reagan? Because my mom is a middle school teacher. She... 35 years, yeah. you know, 6th through 8th grade, I'm pretty sure. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it, it just seems almost backwards sometimes, like her looking at it now. Yeah. You know, just pushing people through, Yeah. you know, making sure they, they you know, it get is, to the next grade. Yeah, because it's, it's not about the whole process of education from that perspective is not about the journey at all. It really is about the end result. Did you pass this test? Right. It's not... How, what steps did you take, even if you flub at the end? If there was more concentration on the actual journey that leads young people to where these are, one, everything is interconnected. There's no way to really segment out what math is. 
and what history is or any of these other subjects because they happen right in a moment you know if i'm if i'm in a space where my daughter really loves to cook so in cooking there's math there's history there's science there's art inside of that unit interesting so I don't feel the need to say math time, 45 minute segment, science time, 45 minute right. segment. It's what is your interest? And then we can explore if you want to. She loves to use vanilla. So if she's going to use Madagascar vanilla, then that takes us right into geography. Oh. So, <laughs> what's curious about this is um, I believe like I'm on the same page as you as far as education it's like first there was a change with technology mm-hmm. and like the technology led to it's it's an informational world now it's like anybody has access to, to technology and now having access to technology you have access to information at your fingertips sure so now it's about finding out what people are good at early on by exposing them to a lot of different things yes in my mind, mm-hmm. instead of running them through this mill, mm-hmm. which maybe maybe that's why the term like run of the mill is a thing because like you run people through this whole education pipeline that's like tailored to like th- this one set goal, yeah, so that they get a job at a mill. Well, yeah, or I mean, a, it's a, when know. I was in school, and for for me and for my parents. Once you completed high school, especially here in Philly, it, you know, there was a really strong population of people who would say, I could get a job at the post office. I could get a job at the Tasty, Tasty Cake Factory. Yes. Like, it's very, like, it's just factory live. Factory and lines. there is no innovation other than I'm on lettuce, I'm on peanuts. Right. I'm on, you know, like, there isn't, you're not, at best, you kind of hope that your parents did it before you so that you have some kind of seniority when you come in. Right. And if your parents own the business and you put in another 30 to 40 years, then you too could take over the business. Right. That's not how things work anymore. And for me, compulsory education is designed that way. I think we're just evening, gradually evening out the playing field in every regard. Yes. I mean, it's, it's definitely a fight because conditioning yeah so there are going to be people who are going to be adamantly against my particular perspective and saying there's no way that a young person could not attend school and not be successful and I wholeheartedly disagree with that but from a a systematic standpoint it at least is worth the question do you find yourself or anticipate yourself fighting against more real politics like higher up and like government and things like that do for me personally the the business no no i'm for me because i i'm not a person who is stating that this method works for everyone that's not what i'm selling okay at all i am not selling that everybody come on over no it would be complete anarchy and chaos i i think the idea of an institution that is providing emotional and academic and truly supportive learning opportunities for young people, having student-led, more student-led opportunities and more space for innovation. I think that that's a grand idea. Mm-hmm. But the, the institution that is systematic oppression of education does not really allow that. But that does not mean that young people aren't thriving in those settings. So I'm very cognizant that certain young people do really well in those settings. My focus is what happens to the young people who that's not their cup of tea. Where do they fall? Do they just have to sit there? And I understand that there's so much more to that because their parents may not feel it's okay or the stigma that if you are going to home educate, you have to be rich. Right. And that's not true. Um, it really just depends on how creative you're willing to be. But for me, part of also what I do is that I go into schools and I work with schools. So at the very least, every young person who, who's going to be in that seat is treated um, from a place of equity and inclusion. So 
if I'm going to fight anything, all young people should be able to have that experience, regardless of their background or anything. Financial status, it doesn't matter. So, so take me back through it. You know what it was like actually starting the business, because mm-hmm. that's that's a whole deal for everyone. Yeah, doesn't matter who you are. Yeah, starting the business was. I mean, after I got a, enough folks really looking for information, I was like, well, maybe I could. I researching online is a full time job. Trying yeah. to figure out where opportunities are for your young people. Trying to figure out if home education students are even allowed in certain spaces because sometimes they're not. Um, for me, that was something that I had time to do and I did it and I like searching for stuff. Did you have a job at the time? Like what were you doing at the no, time? No, I wasn't. Okay, yeah, so you I had, had some free time. I had already left corporate America. So I was, I've been on sabbatical from corporate America for some okay. time now. <laughs> um, don't anticipate ever going back, but, um, <laughs> Good. it's an extended right sabbatical, <laughs> but, um, yeah, so I had plenty of, uh, free time in between trying to figure out what it means to be a mom uh, to two children. But I was finding all this information. I was like, well, why don't I just share it? Like, why, why hold it all when if anyone had to go through what I went through in the very beginning where there was no support system, where home education is now is not where it was 13 years ago. So there was no group that I could chime into and get all sorts of answers. They were either very um, Christian-based families, which is totally cool, except for that's not what I fall under for me. So I wanted really just secular support. Okay. And I was like, well, wow. Why don't I just lump all this up and just start letting people know, like, did you know about this? This thing is free. That thing is free. So it just kind of built up. And I really wanted to be a resource for Philadelphia families to let them know that there are things here and it just takes a little extra click, a few, a few more extra clicks <laughs> to find it, but it's here. So that's how it started. Information age, back yeah. to that. So what did it start as? Was it more educational or what was the original premise and it, what has changed you know, in the past, what, you said four and a half yes. years? So I have partnered with more organizations and local businesses than I did initially. Because when I'm looking at parenthood, when I'm looking at education, it's expensive. And it doesn't really matter what, what age you are. I mean, if people are looking for the, the best of the best, it's expensive. And I really wanted to come up with ways that would support the whole family. Even if it was something as small as when you go to this coffee shop and you show the ELN card, you'll get 10% off your purchase. That's really cool. So I wanted to be able to support the entirety of the family. So strengthening my partnerships with small businesses has grown. Um, Right now I create opportunities. I have members now. Before it was just an entire collective of families in Philadelphia and I realized that I, (laughs) that is impossible for me to take on. Um, I've probably planned and facilitated over 300 workshops by myself. So that was something that I had to change. Yeah. <laughs> um, and That's a lot, to, a lot of event planning. Yes, <laughs> yes. Um, so at this point I have members and I have about 45 awesome members and I connect with each young person to understand what their needs are and my strongest focus is to make sure that I'm creating programming that is centered on what they want. Okay. And I'll also do some kind of open-ended programs that are open to everyone, but I do have exclusive opportunities for members and then very community-based opportunities. I also, parents can have their evaluations done for the end of the school year so they can submit that to the school district. Um, I offer consultations so that parents just don't feel like they're out in the wind and don't have support. So it is a combination of resources and partnerships and program development. Would you say those are some of the main services? Yes. Would be programs and events? Yes, programs, events. Uh, yeah, if I'm speaking locally, yes. 
but what I also do is I actually just came back from Atlanta maybe a month ago. So I was on a panel there speaking about racial equity and self-directed education. So I also do speaking engagements and I'll go out to communities that aren't necessarily in Philadelphia okay. because my topic is very broad and quite global. So I can still have the same type of approach and be able to support other communities that aren't here, but they're looking for something like that. Now, do you anticipate moving, like how much of this is online? Is there like any sort of um, like program online people can take or information online that they can get about this? About, about ELN programs? About, yeah, exactly. So um, my website, Folks can go in there and figure out what events are happening. Okay. I like to have as many face-to-face -face events as possible because I feel like is sometimes technology is a blessing and a curse. Right. And I like to get away from technology as much as possible. Just today is so. Just earlier this week, we went out to the Wissahickon Environmental Center for Maple Sugaring workshop. That's so, awesome. Um, yeah, every month we go out into the woods. I'll choose a different topic. And young people of all ages, anywhere from three years old to 15 years old, will all come together and they tap some trees, uh, collected some maple, understood what the process of maple sugaring is. So we do something different every month. How do you take, it's like, because you, you wouldn't have, I could be making an incorrect assumption, mm. the probably a resources that a bigger school would have, like a school bus and like, mm -hmm. you know, all these different like, people and like a cafeteria and all this stuff yeah. so what, what's it like running the experience that you provide well one I leave a lot of room for families to have an actual schedule and I really try and because most of my members live in the northwest part of Philadelphia I try and create as many programs in the area for them so that accessibility is not too great I do have families who are completely across town and totally make the trek. Okay. But for me, the happy medium is I do all. I bring more programs to their side of town too. All right. Do do people see this? I mean, could this be seen as a substitute or a supplement of primary education? It could. It could be a substitute or it could be a supplement. It really depends yeah. on what you have going on. I mean, before. Uh, the 70s was a point when home education was something that there was an accord, let's say, between schools and home education families where in certain places it still exists, but not so much here, where you could split your time and you could have some time in class and then you could have some time away from class depending on the subject. Yeah. Um, here, not so much. It's like, do we need to be in school for eight hours, like five days a week? Like, no, because there isn't, I mean, learning happens all the time everywhere, but I think there's a misnomer about what is actually happening. Because if I'm, if we're really looking at a 45 minute class, it's going to take about 10 to 15 minutes to get the young people to even calm themselves. Right. And then you're going to lose another 10 to 15 at the end of that. So we're really looking at about four hours of actual academic work yeah and even that can be a lot like that's right. a lot of learning one it's like yeah. how much are you really learning in that time and there's no there's no space for a young person who maybe they don't need 45 minutes what happens to that young person they're gonna twiddle they're gonna doodle they're gonna get in trouble right and then what happens when a young person needs more than 45 minutes like I know for me personally when I'm invested in something I don't want a bell to go off to say switch. Right. You can't do that anymore. Like, what if you're really engaged in the work and you have this break and it says no? Or it's something you were like, you, you get stuck, like, you're passionate about what you were just working on. Right. Which maybe now you found mm -hmm. a little bit of yourself. Yeah. You start to get a rhythm and then someone or some bell says, turn that off. Right. But that's, that's an indoctrination. That's, that's a conditioning that we grow to feel comfortable with. Yeah. And then almost anticipate it. Yeah. Which is problematic itself. Right. So our idea of just exploring attention spans. And I mean, to me, it's completely silly to say that 
how could each subject take the same amount of time to learn? No, especially yeah. for each person. Right. I mean, you put me in a history class, you put me in a trick class. I can guarantee you, one of those, I'm going to need more than 45 minutes. Right. <laughs> so it's, um, yeah, so it's, I'm not, I'm not a person who likes to diss school. I just know it's not for our family. Yeah. And I know that ELN is here to support families who had that same feeling, but I also will extend my services and go into schools and support them in whatever ways that I can. That could be an interesting angle. I could see that happening. Mm-hmm. Because I, 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 this is the biggest industry that I think is going to get disrupted, or one of the biggest industries. Yeah. Is I, I think it's backwards. Mm-hmm. I think it's all backwards. Yeah. It's like we're putting the finish line first. Yeah, and there's no way of knowing what that looks like. Yeah. I mean, there's, I mean, some of the most financially um, well-off folks dropped out of school. It, so that idea of what school is and the fact that you do, if you do X, Y, and Z, you'll arrive at this particular junction. Yeah. That's, it's, we're just not in a place where that's true anymore. I mean, we have 13-year-olds who have thriving businesses. The only thing I remember, so I, I think, you know, the K through 12 is completely backwards. Once you get to college, it's still a little backwards, mm-hmm. but it's a money grab there. Yeah. Um, which I definitely don't like. But at least with college, in your electives, I think it's like one of the cool things. Yeah. But honestly, it's like everything exists online now. Yeah. Like unless you want to be... A doctor right. or like something like very yeah. in depth, you know, long term, yes. like where you're operating on human beings to survive and stuff. Right. But yeah, the app isn't gonna help. Right, right. <laughs> so I've been I've been taking Spanish now because nice. you don't learn it correctly. Like you need to immerse yourself. Mm-hmm. You can't do a forty five minute class and then learn it. Yeah. And you can't just do it for one semester and learn it. Right. So now, like, just talking to friends in Spanish. Yes. And taking the app every every night on my phone, like, mm-hmm. dedi- you know, dedicating time. Yeah. But, you know, there, there's different ways to learn. Yeah. And everybody learns differently, too. Yes. And that's that really is the eclectic part of my learning network is that, yes, they're learning differently doesn't equal bad. It yeah. just means different. Right. So what can we do to support young people who are learning differently and I, I don't say learning differently to automatically equate to um, someone being labeled as on the spectrum or having a syndrome I mean just learn differently and you may not I'm a very visual learner so for me sitting in class personally no I'm gonna I'm the doodle girl <laughs> I will zone out and not really hear you if you tell me to read a passage I mean I'm gonna read it but you didn't say anything about understanding it <laughs> But I read the words, you know, it's... What were you like in school? Oh, I was the quiet girl. Very quiet. In your own um, head? Yeah. 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 I'm, I was always a thinker. I never understood why I was there. Okay. But I just went because I had to, you know, so yeah. it wasn't anything. And it's funny you brought up Spanish because one of the... We have a couple of young people who are interested in learning Spanish. And one of the organizations that I'm connected with, Teens Inc., they have Spanish, they have youth Spanish speakers who are teaching other young people in adult Spanish, but then they also do service work and they go to Guatemala. That's awesome. For like three weeks or something like that. So Is it like mission-based? Um, mission, for me, typically has like a... Is, are they like helping others, like humanitarian-based? They build schools for other teens. Wow, good. Yeah. So, I mean, that's... That's just one way, and then we help them with all of whatever, like, whatever the cost is going to be. We kind of tap into whatever their skills and talents are to say, is there something you can create to raise money to offset the cost for your parents? Talk a little bit about, I guess, some of the events and programs that you have. You know, you're talking about, like, the the maple tree tapping Mm -hmm. um, and taking some, uh, I guess, you know, off-site type of events. Mm -hmm. Dig a little bit into that for the people listening. Sure. Well, the one for Teens Inc. is another organization I'm a part of, and um, young people can hang out every Wednesday, and it's totally self-directed. 
So they will come through and last time they got together and the topics were, oh gosh, that Prince was just a topic of conversation for a while. And the then, artist? Yes. Oh wow. Um, Would You Rather, which is an awesome game that I recommend <laughs> so that you can, um, it really helps you. It's a great icebreaker. It's a really neat way to get to learn folks. Yeah. Um, but they do that every Wednesday. And then they also have what we call Spanish Cafe. So on Saturdays, it's six weeks. Saturdays, they can go in. And they'll, the, first, the first part of the class is they just get Spanish. They'll have Spanish lessons and learn them from native Spanish speaker youth. And then for the second half, there's a cafe. So they figure out how to order tea and coffee and drinks in Spanish. Okay. And then they can work up, if they wish to do the service trip, they can work up to that as well so that they can go to Guatemala, Guatemala and be able to have like a full exchange, a full cultural exchange, because that for me is the really big component here. Is there, is, so is most of what you offer to a specific age range, is there any adult classes too? Yes. Okay. Yeah. So for me, it's zero to whatever. So... I try and create as many programs as possible for young people based on what they want. But for parents, I also just will have workshops, parenting workshops, or I'll have parents night out and we'll just go out for happy hour because for me, being able to balance the heaviness of what it feels like to be a parent, sometimes sometimes a drink is just lovely. Yeah. <laughs> and you can do it with some folks who understand what you're going through. Yeah. So group trips. Um, there's a multitude of things that do. Relating and yes. <laughs> getting a chance to unwind with people who are going through the similar yes. things. And then for our, our young people who really enjoy art, uh, if they wish to create pieces, they can create them. I arrange for them to be hung at a local cafe and they can mark them if they wish to sell them. And if they sell them, they keep 100% of whatever they collect. That's really nice. There's. There's a lot of introductions I need to make for you. <laughs> what, let me ask, what do you use as far as like software and like class registration and management and events and all that? So there isn't anything that I actually have to do from a registration standpoint because the small businesses, we already, at best, I'll just do a Google form. Like I just need that type of registration in a spreadsheet. Yeah. It doesn't have to be anything that's really over the top. You know, if it was like a an ED course where, you know, you go in and you go through like a huge database to create that. I don't have to do that at all because it's already, it's already built. I'm going to introduce you to a friend of mine that runs this company. It's like meant for classes mm -hmm. in, in education, but it's like a software, you know, with classes and ticketing and events and all yeah. this fun stuff. But mm -hmm. definitely the clay studio uses it in yes. a couple other places. Mm -hmm. Um, so we do these small business Saturdays like once a week and yeah. there's a couple people that come to you know mind just off the top of my head that I want to introduce you to. Oh great. Have you heard of the Goldman Sachs 10 KSB program? Yes. Have you had any friends go through it? I Yes. Yes, yes, yes. A friend of mine, uh, Allegra, she's Birch Tree Catering. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. She was brought up in one of the classes. I remember that name because it's a awesome. unique name. Yeah. Her and I met many moons ago when I used to put on live performance events. What are those? What would you so do? So I would get artists throughout the city in different genres, and I would create live performance events downtown. So I did that before I did ELN. Like, give me an example of like one of the events, like a live performance. So it was called Cultured, because that's what I'm always about. So I would listen. I have a, a dear friend now who is a violinist. And then I had a cellist, and I had a flamenco dancer. What? That's so awesome. So I'm, I'm always about, like, the mashup. And yeah. sometimes for certain spoken word poets, I would give them a particular theme, but everything else was totally up for grabs. Ah, oh, that's another introduction. <laughs> so, yeah, Allegra is awesome. I love her. I, I want to... I feel like I need to connect you to my business advisor first who like heads up the class because I was with her last <laughs> night. She's amazing. Um, I don't know if you know Fran McNeil. She... That name sounds really familiar. Uh, she's like a very smart black lady, probably 
Mm. I don't know how much older than you, but just like mm-hmm. very, you know, incredible person. Yeah, that name sounds super familiar. Hmm. But uh, the classes are around like 30 ish people. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you have time for it because you're te- teaching all these classes <laughs> yourself. Well, mine are, are really just facilitated workshops. And then other ones that I do, like the maple sugaring, that's not me doing the class. It's like the so partner I with, or- yeah. yeah. So I orchestrate to make sure that it happens. But many of the actual like physical workshops, especially for parents, I do those. Yeah. Or it was like Fridays was Fitness Fridays, so it was just me moving <laughs> for like three or four hours, and we would just come up with all sorts of random games. But it was really cool. That's that's different. It's very unique what you're doing. Thank you. I think a lot of people should hear about this and, and appreciate it. What have you been doing to get the word out? Well, um, I utilize, I have a lovely listserv of about 300 folks now, so I keep them, I keep them in the loop once a month. Um, of course, I use Facebook and Instagram mm-hmm. and LinkedIn. Actually, Facebook, um, they somehow found me. So I was just in, I also last month went to visit Facebook. Really? Uh, yeah. Like in Men- what Menlo Park? And yeah. No way. Yeah. So I, they I received this invitation to be a part of their Facebook Community Summit of 2019, and it's um, a hand selected 400 folks were picked from across the country because of their stories and the work they do at the work they do in community, and so we I was there for three straight days. So cool. Breakout sessions, learning tools and content, and Mark's people met Mark Zuckerberg. He came out, and it was it was an intensely awesome experience. Yeah. But four hundred people, yeah, from all across, and representing so many different things. Was that that was like their big like main campus, right? Yeah. Huge. Yes. My background's at Google, so I'm like from like that whole. Gotcha. Like environment. Are there any things you're doing? So I guess a lot of the events, there's probably a lot of word of mouth and referrals and stuff like that too. Mm-hmm. It's funny that I didn't go through any of these questions I wanted <laughs> to ask you. We just got on like such a good, such a good conversation. Yeah, it's all good. Um, I guess for people listening, mm-hmm. you know, some of the main questions uh, for people looking to start a small business or, or some of the small business owners out there, yes. just some things to, to work through with you, mm-hmm. you know, what have been some big setbacks as a business owner? Oh yeah, 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 setbacks. Um, <laughs> the good stuff. Yeah, there's so many. I mean, it's, it really, it has to be a labor of love and I think sometimes when you forget what's sacred to you. And you get lost in in the minutia of the spreadsheets and the PL reports and all of those things. And sometimes you lean more towards quantity than quality. For me, that's where a lot of the setbacks can happen. Yeah. And that's something that I'm constantly reminding myself that I can never be too big for my own britches. That I can't figure it out. That I that actually sometimes setbacks are awesome because if I hadn't had one of the I had a major setback last year and I had to cancel one of my conferences and I was bummed. I was so bummed out and it really felt like the end for me, honestly. I was just like, I'm just going to close shop. Just forget it. It's not worth it. And, but if I hadn't had that fall, I would not have been able to stand up and really force myself to look outside this kind of conditioning that I set for myself. Yeah. And I broke out of that. But because of that, there's an opportunity now where I can still be doing this work, but I'm going to be doing it in South Africa. So it has opened a door that I didn't even know existed because I hadn't fallen. It goes along with it, though. Experiential learning. Like, that's yes. an experience that you had to learn from yes. as yeah an adult because you you're constantly setting up things and if it's not broke you don't fix it right yeah. so you don't really think about dissecting it because if it's working why not but when it doesn't work right is that's what forced me to really kind of look back at myself and figure out what can i do 
And is this really worth it? Is yeah. this truly a labor of love? Or is this just some kind of profit-making situation? And it's not. There's no way that it can be because my niche market is so small. But, yeah. It's funny that like this last year of 2018, I just like had these these numbers that I was going for. And I think people do this as business owners. Like, yeah. these are my goals. These are the numbers yeah. I want to hit. Like, this is what I want to get done. But it's like, what do you really want, though? Exactly. What do you, like, why did you start the company? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Was it to make a bunch of money? Because then, cool, just go after the numbers. Yeah. Was it to build something that's different, that's, like, makes an impact? Mm-hmm. Was it to build a lifestyle? Like, yeah. I and, think we forget about that sometimes. Yeah. And impact takes a long time. You yeah. Know, if impact, change, innovation, all of those things, it takes blood, sweat, and tears. Mm -hmm. There's no way to shake that. And you could have the best idea ever, but if your idea is about disrupting something, you're gonna have you're gonna have to keep saying the same things over and over again and the battle. You'll be lucky if you break even. Yeah. (laughs) You'll be lucky. But yeah, just Never forget why you did it. It's like stick to, stick to your laurels, you know. What yeah. what what's the reason, you know? What's yeah. the what's the impact here? And it, the same thing goes with Small Business Saturday. Yeah. You know, a lot of people on the on like, you know, previously on the team who are no longer with momentum. Yeah. Just didn't get it. They didn't get it. Yeah. And it's like cool like maybe you're not meant for this then. Sure. It's, it's not meant to, it, this isn't meant to make money. Mm-hmm. This is bigger than that. Yeah, and you, you have to be willing to sit in that and really, I'd much rather have a really open and honest conversation with one person than to sit there and give a two minute pitch every three minutes yeah. to a room of people who could care less. Right. Like for me, like everyone has potential. <laughs> so it's not about as a person who has a background in sales and always having numbers to meet every quarter then I'm not caring whether that sofa is comfortable for you <laughs> I don't really care what I want is my 20% commission right that's, that's what we're doing <laughs> on a $7,000 sofa so that's <laughs> that's what I'm looking you for you need to buy that <laughs> yes thanks it's ugly but great <laughs> what is What's something else that you learned being a business owner that you think is just like vital? Mm. It could be about yourself. It could be about business. Oh, it's so, hmm. Cause you, it's, this is so different for you, especially because of your awareness, mm. you know? Yeah. Cause you're always questioning things. Yes. So, Say the question one more time. What's something that you've learned that is incredibly important to like being a business owner and growing a business? Do not get in your own way. Just that's most of a lot of falls that happen in business is because we get in our own way. Yeah. I mean, We'll see a lot of things, we'll do a lot of comparison, and that's probably like, I don't even know if that's a, a number two, it's probably like a one and a one. Do not get in your own way, and don't compare yourself to what other people are doing. If what you're offering is really coming from you, it's not gonna matter. There are more people than there are opportunities out there, so there's always gonna be an overlap. It really comes down to you, you are your own brand. You define that by people are going to connect with you, not because specifically of what you offer, but who you are behind the offering. Right. What is the hardest thing about being a small business owner? Vacations. <laughs> <laughs> the lack thereof. <laughs> yeah, what vacation? What are you yes. about? Um, that's the hardest uh, time. Allocating time for yourself. Many times you just feel like you have to be connected all the time. So self-care is probably one of the the most challenging things about having a small business and remembering that you are a part of your own equation. 
preaching to the choir. That's what <laughs> I'm trying to focus on recently. I was yeah. like, Mac, like you need to have a life and like you need to care about like yes. There's there's more to to life than than working. Mm-hmm. But people ask me like, how do you work so much? How do you work all the time? Well, if like you're really doing like what you want to be doing that you care about, it's not always work. Like there's always work that's involved. Like st- yeah. some stuff you just don't always love to do. Yes. But as as far as like. You know, the meat and potatoes of it, as long as you, you enjoy that, yeah. um, then it can be good. And I guess if I could add, set boundaries for yourself. I think in business, you're so hungry for like the next customer or the next buy-in. Set boundaries. For me, one of my boundaries is that I do not meet in the morning oh. because that's my time. Yeah. So any meeting that I'm going to have, unless it is extremely necessary, will not happen before 11 a.m. Good for you. And the send later button, if you use Gmail, the send later button has been my favorite tool because I'm a night owl and I don't necessarily want to have conversations at night, but that's when I get most of my thinking done. Yeah. So I send up all of my correspondence that I need when I'm up, but they receive it in the morning. Yeah. Also gives you time to think about something before you send it. Yes. Don't, don't go, wait. (laughs) Right. (laughs) You're not going through. What was that? So, yes. Boundaries. Um, I guess to, to sort of wrap it up, you know, a little bit, Mm -hmm. you know, what are you working on right now? Anything cool? And what are some of the next steps, you know, you know, your your next plan of action? Mm. I just finished a virtual conference for the Alternative Education um, Conference. So I just finished that and I am preparing to, on the 23rd of March, I'm actually going to be a panelist for Black Girl Magic um, Creating Black History Moments and Moguls. So I'm going to be one of the presenters in Germantown. So I'll be speaking to young people about what it means to follow your passion. What's the time and date? It is March 23rd. It's going to be at Lovett Library from 1 to 3. And I believe all tickets are sold out. Good for you. Yeah. <laughs> what, um, where are you located and where can we find you online too? So um, I am located in Philly. And most of my and all of my connections are Philly local businesses and partnerships. So if you want to get in touch with me, I do not have a freestanding business, but you can always reach out to me through my website, which is eclecticlearningnetwork.com. You can contact me through my email, which is malika at Eclectic Learning Network. You can also follow and like me on Instagram and Facebook, also under Eclectic Learning Network. Got it. Um, wow. Impact. <laughs> Awareness. A lot of people that come to mind when I talk to you. I, I think you're you're on the forefront of something. Yeah, oh, thank you. It's a movement. It's gonna take. Oh yeah. It, it's gonna. We're gonna come and go, and it's still gonna be going on probably. Yeah, it's definitely. I mean, it's been a thing, and especially because we didn't get into unschooling, but that was something. Um, what I am talking about is something that predates compulsory education. So like like preschool? Yeah, from okay. an indigenous standpoint. Oh, wow. So this is, it's very much how many, many people before me were learning. And if we're talking about small tribes, uh, whether it be most black and brown spaces and other parts of the world, just before compulsory education became a thing, this is how we learned. Yeah. I've never even heard, so like I was explaining to you, I was like, first off, I'm not 100% sure what eclectic means, <laughs> but I've definitely never heard uh, compulsory education or yes. unschooling. Yes. Those are new terms for me today. Yes. Yeah. <sighs> so compulsory is just, you know, the standard run of the meal school that everyone knows. Unschooling is not necessarily a method, but it is a movement. It is... It is an opportunity to really build relationships with yourself and your young people. And they do that through natural everyday experiences. There's no coercion whatsoever. There's no books unless they want them. 
So my daughters are not, yeah, they have no frame of, not, no, that's not true. There are certain part, like activities they participate in where they, they understand what school is like because they participate in programs with other school children. Mm-hmm. Um, but if they want a workbook or if they want something, then they ask and I support them with that. But there is no textbook of like, no, this is your syllabus for the year and this is what you have to do and follow this to the T and then prepare for this test that I don't actually care about. <laughs> Eclectic Learning Network. Mm-hmm. ELN. Yes. That's how they know you. Yep. Well, Malika, a pleasure. <laughs> yes, same here. This was a lot of fun. Do you, um, is there anything you want to leave leave with you know any advice any words of wisdom any last thoughts or comments for the listeners yeah oh um i don't know always step into a place with being your authentic self no matter what that means many times we aren't yeah 